0: Hey, this is Annie and Samantha, and welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Here's my question for you today, Samantha. Yes. What is your
1: favorite karaoke song? Oh, that's a c- cruel question because I have several. I, know, I have I several. Know. You can um, give you can give a handful. I'll allow that. A handful. Uh yeah. let me think. So I do love a good Fiona Apple song. Uh-huh. And Criminal is usually the one I go to. I think everybody loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also do every now and then, if I'm feeling really courageous, a salt and pepper song. But I'm not <laughs> good at it. I've seen this happen. He pulled me up once and I was very confused. You didn't know what was happening. And that's when I nope. realized we have very different tastes in music.
0: No, I knew the song, but I had been like talking to someone and all of a sudden I was just, like pulled up and
1: saying oh, a salt oh, and okay. pepper
0: song. That's what it was. <laughs> yes. So wait, so what is yours? Oh, I'm surprised you didn't say uh, no scrubs, TLC. Oh,
1: I do love good notes. Oh, see. Hey. That's what I'm saying. There's so many.
0: Yeah, you also do say my name a lot. I do uh, a lot of Destiny's
1: Child. It's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's true. TLC, Destiny's Child, all day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I associate. Every time I hear those songs, I think of you. So, yes, yes, okay. hand over heart is warranted. Yes. yes. Um, mine are much nerdier than yours because I, I I love a classic Mulan. Yeah. Be a man. Unless I, like, well, I
1: feel like that's all of the how stuff work. Like producer
0: Andrew really loves yeah,
1: it. Yeah. honestly, I feel like I pick the
0: ones that are goofy that I know like everyone's going to get into. Like now I've started choosing the Pokemon song because people always sing it. Like I don't know yeah. that song, but I like choosing it because everyone gets into it. I didn't um, know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. But now I love it and I do it every time. I believe that's
1: also a producer, Andrew's. Preference as well, the Pokemon song. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, him and uh, our other past super producer on the show, Dylan. Uh, I used to really love, well, I love my shot from Hamilton. But there, what is the one people always are like, you have to sing this one. And it's just my
1: thing now. And I don't know how it really happened. Is it the, um, well, what is the song you used to, the Radiohead song? That you, you oh creep, about.
0: Yep. <laughs> where I started crying on stage. That yeah. was a different time of my life. I'm not in that period <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I have moved on. Oh, it's um. Oh my gosh, get back by Ludacris. Get back by Ludacris. Really? Uh, yes. I don't know if
1: I've ever seen you do this.
0: I do it like every time because people. <laughs> I did it once, and now everyone requests it, and is like, you have to get up there and do it. Um, I do know all the words. I could do it without the lyrics. Right now, I want to do Evil by Tiffany Haddish from the Lego 2 movie, but no karaoke place has it. It's a shame. That's my next one I'm going to (laughs) tackle. I think you can do that too, yes. Anyway, uh, (laughs) moving on from karaoke. uh, Today, we are talking about a topic that you, Samantha, you have been dying to talk Uh, about this for a long time. This has all been on
1: my list. For a couple of years now, yes. And I'm very, very, very excited that we finally got to approach and get into it. And not, I mean, we got into it as much as we could because there's so much to unpack, but it was so good. Yes. So
0: what we're talking about is massage noir, and particularly when we look at women in the hip-hop industry, and what does that look like? And to have this conversation today... Eves, uh, wonderful Eves from Female First, she put us in touch with a friend of hers, uh, Kiana Fitzgerald, uh, who is an amazing writer, and uh, she joined us to have this conversation and was fantastic. Such a delight. So, Mm -hmm. without further ado, let's get into it. We like to start with a very basic, simple question. Uh, Can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Absolutely. My name is Kiana Fitzgerald. I am a freelance writer, a cultural critic, and a DJ. And I've um, written for a bunch of different places at this point. But I got my start at NPR, which is a very, very great stroke of luck. And I was able to finesse that into... Um, A full-time position there after an internship, and then I kind of bounced around to a couple of different companies before landing at Complex, and there I was able to really dig into hip-hop and um, the way that we kind of interact with our artists, with our influencers, with our producers, um, just all kinds of the intricacies of what makes hip-hop hip-hop. So ever since um, I left Complex um, early last year, 2019, I've been freelancing, as I said, and I've been able to work with Rolling Stone, with Billboard, OK Player, um, The Cut, Nylon Magazine, a bunch of different cool places. I did a cover story on Megan Thee Stallion for Paper Magazine last summer. It was one of the most exciting things I've ever done. And yeah, I've uh, just kind of been trying to uh, parlay my experiences into a bigger career that I couldn't have dreamed that I could have.
1: Oh, so, and we're so excited to have you. I'm not going to yes. lie. Um, yes. As we've been getting prepared for our interview, of course, I'm stalking you on the interwebs. <laughs> uh, that's what we do. That's that's the professionalist in me. Uh, but yeah, and reading all your articles, you do, you do such a fantastic job. And uh, writing about your interviews and just your interactions is fantastic. And I love how you make it as, I don't know what it is, but the way you have the conversations or the back and forth is almost like you're Rapping in that conversation, Ooh, so oh I my was God, like, "I love okay. that." No, I was like, I feel like I'm kind of bopping to this, even though I'm just reading an interview. (laughs) That's fantastic. It is. It's so good. And and it's such a beautiful. I love, especially with what we're talking about today. And we're talking about uh, misogynoir and hip hop and what is happening in that industry. And it's been something on my mind for a while. I know Annie and I talked about it when I first joined uh, Stuff I've Never Told You a couple of years ago, that this is something that I want to tackle. We want to talk about it because it's so intriguing to see an industry. That is so influential, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it holds women back in such a way, but at the same time, this challenges of those who can make it and who can't. Yeah. And of course, that goes into the bigger conversation of what's happening within the industry in itself, when in a time of Black Lives Matter, um, say her name and me too, hashtag me too. So mm-hmm. the big conversation. And yeah. again, thank you so much for joining us because uh, I have 10,000 things I want to talk about with you. And Let's do I feel it. like I kind of already know you from the articles that you write. And I know, by the way, I also went through your Patreon. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you, <laughs> you so much. are so open and vulnerable. And of course, we're going to get that information out. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, one of the big articles I know you talked about was from 2018. And the title is, Why Can There Only Be One Dominant Woman in Rap? Yes. And I've been asking this question for not only just in rap, but in all of professionalism, all of hobbies, anything. Why is there such limited space for women? And then when we talk about (laughs) Black women, even less, and women of color, even less space. Um, And you talk about the theory of social constructionist theory, which was fantastic. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how it relates and affects hip-hop and how it limits women? I know there's three questions, but...
2: Oh, no, sure. (laughs) Sure. Well, I will say, I haven't read that article
1: since 2018, so I'm like, what
2: did I write? Um, so can you refresh my memory on that theory? I'm sorry.
1: No, 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 you're great. You great. You pretty much just talk about, um, you actually quote and say, once the leading cast of female rappers dwindled, the space for women in rap restricted by default. If there are fewer women rapping at prominent levels, then there's less room needed for them. Mm-hmm. And isn't like, if it's filled, then it's done, it's over. And then yeah. you talk a lot about the competition because you're talking specifically about Nicki Minaj and, and uh, Cardi, Cardi B. Mm-hmm. And then you even, and from my era, Foxy Brown and uh, <laughs> Kim, uh, yeah. Little Kim. And you yeah. talk about that whole like feud and it didn't come around until Missy Elliott and they did uh, Ladies Night. Yes. And that kind of like, oh, wow, look at this. Women together can rap together. And support each other. What is this? But you kind of talk about what is it that men are so afraid of that they have to constrict the space for women so they don't have people to compete with.
2: Absolutely. So yeah, in writing that article, I was really just surrounded, um, you know, in the complex office by a bunch of men, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were Mm -hmm. always talking about, you know, 21 Savage, Lil Yachty, like all these men. And I was just kind of like, when we have these conversations, we talk about either one woman, no women, or maybe two women at a time. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get to the bottom of why the conversations were so, you know, restricted. And I just delved into as much as I could find about the way that we interact with each other as a society and the way that we interact with each other within our own, you know, spaces of music, of of culture, of, you know, of knitting or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like all these different things that, that we interact with on a regular basis I wanted to really get to the bottom of why are women so often told that we don't fit in or told that we can't be a part of something, even though we've been there since the beginning, even though we've been supporting those cultures since the beginning. So I really wanted to just um, shed light on the fact that there doesn't have to just be one dominant woman as we've seen, you know, even in the past six months, like Flo Millie has come out, like Skin Keisha's come out. But there are so many beautiful, amazing, talented rapper, Mulatto, um, Mm -hmm. that are coming out. And it's like, we don't have, like the conversation that we were having in 2018, we've evolved from that. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for it, but there are still like obstacles that we need to face and obstacles that we need to overcome. But um, yeah, in terms of that, that period in time it was literally Nikki or Cardi. Like there was no way around it. And like you said, it kind of harkened back to the Kim versus Foxy era where it was like, well, you can only pick one. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? And it's like, well, I love them both and I can't Mm -hmm. pick, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was team Cardi in 2018, but that was, (laughs) that was more so because of like, you know, she was young and fresh and exciting. And she seemed like A person that I would have wanted to hang out with, and Nikki is very much a diva, which is not a bad thing. But um, you know, I just like—I thought she was more personable. So um, at that point in the article itself, I did not like, you know, lay out my my allegiance. But um, I was very much just trying to investigate why we were even having the conversation of one woman being
1: dominant at a time. Right, and you did—you made a great point about the fact that. It was the patriarchy and misogyny in itself that pinned them against each other. It wasn't even them. At one point, you yeah. even even talked about her um, Cardi's tweet saying, "Y'all trying something and it's not anything. <laughs> yeah. We're just hanging here." And she's like, "We could be making out, and you're still going to say exactly we're competing against yeah. each other." And that's exactly kind of what you were talking about. It's like this is not. A, I mean, I think since then things exploded, but at, yeah. at that point in time, it didn't. And and at that point, Cardi was uh, talking about how much she loved. Uh, Nicki and looked up to Nicki Minaj and, and how big of an influence she was yeah. before they started going back and forth and having a feud. And she had gotten the first number one hit mm-hmm. as a rapper, a female rapper. And everybody congratulated her, including Nicki, Nicki Minaj. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like, who's making this happen and who does this benefit? Yeah. And you talk about that.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely like, you know like i was saying just the microcosm of being in the complex office and hearing the conversations there that kind of like you can extrapolate that out and talk about like the media in general especially mm-hmm. like black culture media you know the breakfast club that kind of mm-hmm. thing like they really perpetuate a lot right. of that conversation right. so um you know it just gets to a point where you either try to ignore those conversations that are happening or you get embattled in these conversations yourself. And you're like in the comments in the shade room, like going back and forth with people, like arguing or whatever, like trying to trying to just like make a point about the fact that there doesn't need to be like this small, you know, finite amount of space for women. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, you know, when I wrote that article, uh, I got a lot of great feedback, but it still kind of felt like I was screaming into a void. You know, it mm-hmm. felt like I, I didn't quite have the... Like I wanted, I wanted like a huge conversation to happen. I wanted it to be like, let's talk about this. And Mm -hmm. like it it happened in like my immediate circle, but like it didn't really happen as far as like now we're having this conversation on a podcast that is not about music or hip hop specifically. Right. Like this is what I wanted to happen. And so I'm very, very happy and grateful that we're having this conversation now.
1: And, and you're right. Even when uh, your article came out, people referenced to your article because there was not a lot of conversation to it. Nobody were actually writing it out or actually yeah. digging into it. And you did. You came out with some studies. You're like this study and this study. And it was fantastic. Even though people have been talking about it, even though people say that it's a problem and it's, the obvious answer is misogyny, patriarchy, misogynoir is there, of course. Yes. But how do we break this down? And you did, Mm -hmm. you talked a lot about it and even went through like a generational point Mm -hmm. because you kind of brought it up again when you talked to Megan Thee Stallion Mm -hmm. and talking about what it would look like if the ladies' night was reframed and she did it. In yeah. morning, who would be in them, and then how many people would be in it. She was like, I'd have 20 people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which exactly. is even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and you kind of already tapped into this because you talked about that there's more names. And, and I know you interviewed the city girls, which by the way, I, I was listening to that as I was doing re- more research. Was like, <laughs> nice. Yes, all of this, <laughs> all of this. Yeah. Um, but do you still see that whole limiting space, the fact that they say, okay, here's your three girls. Enjoy. Here's your three female rappers. Enjoy. That's it. That's all you can have. Do you see, still see that happening today?
2: Well, um, I definitely want to uh, reference a song that just came out um, with the City Girls. It's the Do It remix by Chloe and Halle. Mm-hmm. So the City Girls are on it, Mulatto's on it, and Doja Cat is on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a mini ladies night. Like, I was so excited. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that fortunately, over the past couple of years... And I, I'm not sure if it's because Cardi was like such a phenomenon and we were like, we want more of that mm-hmm. or what, but um, that door has kind of been kicked open. Mm-hmm. And women are just starting to pour through, especially, like I said, in the last six months, They're like Chica.
1: Oh my God, I can't Mm -hmm. believe I forgot to mention her. I did a cover story in her like last week. fantastic. That's the article I'm actually specifically talking about where it just felt like it was like a bop in its writing. I'm like, oh, here we
2: go. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. So, you know, like as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, her, oh, her, oh, her. Like, And that's like, that's what I've always wanted is to just be able to like have a conversation and be able to mention like more than like, you know, five women at a time, Mm -hmm. like hold up one hand and name this, 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 and that's it. Like Mm -hmm. at this point, it's like, I have friends that put me on to like new women. And I am just like thrilled that we have more space because for such, even though like, it was just a couple of years ago, it felt like it lasted for so long that Mm -hmm. it was like Nikki or Cardi. There is no in between. Like, and even like the City Girls came up right around that time and nobody was really talking about them. You know, like like Drake, you know, had the In My Feeling song and he mentioned mm-hmm. them and they were featured on it, like, you know, in their in their own kind of chopped up way. You know, it was still like they weren't in a part of the bigger conversation yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. now it's like they, you know, they're they're everywhere. And, you know, Doja Cat is everywhere. She had her number one as well. Um, you know, so it's very exciting. I'm just like super thrilled and I can't wait to see how many more women come through the door. Right. Yeah, and sort of going off of that, when we're talking about this limited
0: space for female rappers and how that is changing, um, we do have some numbers of uh, women in the industry. So... Um, women actually only make up about 22.4 percent of artists, 12.3 percent of songwriters, and only two percent of producers. And this mm. is from a 2018 study, so that is from when you were mm-hmm. talking uh, when it was Cardi B, Nicki Minaj. So things have changed. Um, and if we look at uh, Grammy nominees, we see similar thing. Um, so, what is it about this industry do you think makes it so hard for women to break into?
2: That's that's a great question. To be honest, like. I think it's like so many other industries where men kind of shoehorn themselves into positions of power and made it so that, so an aside, I want to talk about, you know, there's a documentary that just came out called um, On the Record. And it talks about um, Russell Simmons and Mm -hmm. using his position of power to Mm -hmm. basically coerce, harass, allegedly you know i want to make that clear um assault mm-hmm. women and you know a slew of women came forward have come forward and talked about their experiences with him and that's not an isolated situation like right. men often especially in the music industry um men often use their power to to lord it over women and say hey you know do this for me and then you'll get your record right. um you know there have been plenty of women who have been buried because they either didn't do what they were asked to do Right. Or they did it, and then the men just threw them to the side because they got what they wanted. Right. So, um, you know, there are some powerful women who have kind of been able to escape those clutches. But yeah, I mean, men, I don't want to be like, men are terrible. But like, you know, it's just kind of like, as, as with anybody that gets, you know, an, an inkling of power, Right. You wanna you wanna wield it, you know, you wanna right. you wanna throw it around and you wanna see what you can get out of somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, you know, so for so long, I feel like women were excluded because they either went with the route and then they they were found out and it was like, oh, well she did that for that. So what is she willing to do for this? Or right. they didn't do it at all. And right. then they were just like closed out. Right. So um I feel like that's especially the case with music, um, especially with hip hop specifically. Mm-hmm. And Thankfully, we do have some pioneers like the Queen Latifas, like the salt and Peppers, who were able to, like, skate by those issues because they were, like, I don't know. I-, I wish I could have a conversation with them and ask them how they were able to work around that. Right. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I just feel like, especially in an industry like hip-hop where the lyrics, you know, from, like, the 90s to now have been about, like you know, sex and mm-hmm. what they want from women and how they treat mm-hmm. women and what they do with women and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's it's explicit. It's right there in your face. Right. Right. And so I'm confused about why we won't just admit that that's what's going on. You know, right. I feel like people don't really talk about that. And I'm glad that this On the Record documentary came out because up until like, I want to say last month, and even I was watching, um, you know, the Rough Riders Chronicles that BET put out, And Russell Simmons popped up. And I was like, what? You know, like, it's, it just, it's still, he's still there. And I feel like people are not going to, like, ever sit him to the side and be like, okay, this is someone that did a lot for the culture, but he also did a lot to harm the culture. And who knows how much further we would be if he hadn't done what he had done, allegedly. So, um, yeah, I feel like hip hop is just an industry where, women are treated as accessories, as, you know, as objects, as not human beings. And I really hope that things are changing now. Um, You know, we'll talk more about how women aren't really seen as, you know, especially Black women aren't really seen Mm -hmm. as fully realized human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for now, I just want to say that, yeah, hip hop is has got some issues. And right. I, I really hope that we take some time to address
1: it. I mean, I mean we're going to get into that, even with the uh, Megan Thee Stallion controversy, not even controversy, things that she went through, the fact that she had gotten shot and people's yeah. jokes and continued like dismissal of her pain because yeah. of the stereotypes, because of this idea that Black women not only should be stronger than everybody mm-hmm. else, but should defend everybody else, even when they're the victims. And it just has this thing in because that's so ingrated to a certain degree that there's a level of protection of we know what's happening yeah. when police are called and we know yeah. what's, what we see. And so therefore, what is the lesser evil and what's the better choice? And then still being raked over the coals for it and trying to instill being the uh, villain in this, yes. this story. It's, just the it's whole thing. bizarre. There's just such a whole thing and I'm I'm very baffled and I'm just just like this whole level of where we are in Me Too because that's kind of one of the things that I did want to get into as well in the hashtag Me Too era. It seemed like even though it was started by a Black woman, Mm -hmm. it seemed like a lot of hip hop kind of got away with it, kind of skated by. It took forever for even R. Kelly to have to answer some of the things that he's been accused of, and it became a documentary. And we already know kind of the history of him and Aaliyah, and Mm -hmm. you're kind of like baffled. You're like, it's right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's right there. I don't understand. Exactly, exactly. but yeah. How do you see? Has it? And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's me. On the outskirts of enjoying it as just entertainment and mm-hmm. not understand the culture behind it and the depths of it being mm-hmm. from the country of, of Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. But have you seen a big effect in the hip hop industry with the hashtag Me Too movement?
2: Oh Lord, um, <laughs> that's a loaded
1: question. <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's loaded. But like, I I sigh because nothing has happened. Um, yeah. You know, and. You know, with the exception of a Russell Simmons, and even that is like still up in the air. Right. Um. You know, there there are people who I've listened to, um, who I was a big fan of, um. You know, just like from from older people, like you know, I think I think Nelly was accused of something, um, mm-hmm. and then there are these younger kids, um, that uh that I listened to a lot, like in 2016, and you know, I. I just kind of went down a rabbit hole and I saw these stories that these girls were putting out. And they were just kind of like, he did this. And I, and I was just like, no, this is unbelievable. Like, I love this kid. And, um, you know, it's it's really bizarre because aside from those, like, you know, forum pages that I was on, nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting canceled. And I feel like cancellation is like, you know... It, it, it's nothing like <laughs> at the end of the day, like unless you're going to prison, like you're right. not getting canceled. Right. And, um, you know, so I feel like hip hop hasn't been hit by the Me Too movement yet. And I I'm nervous because I feel like it's inevitable, especially, you know, after the Megan situation and her coming out and saying, Tori Lanez did this. Like, it took a lot for her to do that. And I I can only imagine, like, how stressful that was for her. But I feel like she did it because, you know, we were in a situation where men can do pretty much anything. Like, they can, you know, beat their wives. They can, you know, force their women to have abortions. Like, they can do all these things and they'll still, like, get a feature with a Kendrick Lamar or something like that, you know? Um, So it's like, It's just really disheartening, to be honest, because, you know, I'll be like with a friend and we'll be listening to something and then a song by one of those artists will come on and I'll be like, "Ah, can we not listen to this? And they're like, why not? And I'm like, have you have you not heard anything? So it's like, you know, it's like I'm in this silo where I'm like getting all this information and I'm making personal decisions about Mm -hmm. what I prefer to listen to or not to listen to now and I'm still out and not now because we're in COVID. But like you know, when yeah. I was like out and about, right. um, you know, like <laughs> at certain places or you know hanging out with friends, and um, you know even uh, the late XXX Tentacion, like you know he was somebody that was wildly popular, had co signs mm-hmm. by Kendrick, had co signs by I think Kanye West at one point. That kid had a lot of issues. He was very mm-hmm. talented. He was he's one of the ones that I was listening to back in 2016. Um, he was very, very talented, but he was very, very challenged, you know, Mm -hmm. in a lot of emotional ways. And he took that out allegedly, but, you know, not really allegedly, um, on, you know, the girl that he was dating and his fans, his scores of fans, you know, I would write about him. I I Mm -hmm. remember I wrote an article about him for Complex and they tore me to pieces. Like they were just Mm -hmm. like, you don't know anything about him. He didn't do this. He blah, 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 blah. And then like, you know, like literal audio recordings of him admitting it would come out and they would still be like, but he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. He didn't admit it. So, you know, it's just kind of like, I I just, I don't know if hip hop will ever be affected like as much as Hollywood was, you know, like after um, it kind of took off there. But yeah, that's something that I am... Definitely interested in seeing how things play out over the next right. couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a
1: very, it's a conundrum for sure. Right. I mean, we can look at one of the best examples, Chris Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and he just made a number one hit. I mean, it yeah. just came out that he just made and won a VMA or something, right? It's kind of like, oh. and And again, this kind of goes back to the whole idea though in the protection bit because I've heard this many times and I can see that too that he's most likely to be like he did what he did and it was wrong. Yeah. But he's going to be more villainized than a white celebrity. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, how do you balance this? Like, yeah. How do you balance justice at the same time and justice correctly done across the board?
2: It's, yeah. it's kind
1: of one of those things and and again, it comes back to the question of Black women feeling the need to protect their men, black or bl- not just their men, black men in general, exactly, and not having that reciprocated more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said the word uh, misogynoir a lot, and I haven't explained it. Do you want to explain it? Um, sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a the long and the short of it is, uh, misogynoir is basically any kind of like action or thought that is opposing like the values and the the, the humanization of women. And massagenar is specifically about black women, And mm-hmm. that's something that goes back thousands of years, You know, mm-hmm. something that we have been dealing with since we got to America, mm-hmm. feeling as if um black women are superhuman, so they can withhold or withstand inordinate amounts of pain. um you know, that they can bear like any kind of hardship without feeling emotion. Um, it's basically this thought that Black women don't deserve the same respect or the same like extension of concern mm-hmm. as a white woman, as a white man, mm-hmm. um, as anybody that is not deemed the, the baseline of like, you know, when you turn on the TV, who do you see? You know, it's like yeah. typically it's going to be a white man or a white woman. So, right. um, so yeah, it's definitely just, it's a term that like I didn't become familiar with until um, I moved out of Texas, you know, and Mm -hmm. that was in like 2013. I had experienced it for sure. Right. But um, I didn't didn't know what the word to put to it was until I like got to NPR and I started talking to like Gene Demby and he's super smart, you know, and it's like, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, oh, what's this word? You know, so I'm like doing my Googles and trying to figure it out. And I'm like, oh, snap. Like this is exactly what I've experienced in the past.
1: And yeah, it was termed in 2010 by Moya Bailey Mm. um, because it's so specific that it needed it. It is kind of how we talked about intersectional feminism Mm -hmm. and why we have to differentiate that from feminism Mm -hmm. and why that is so important. And you see that as the layer of, oh, this is bad, but this is even worse. Yeah, And this is where we're falling apart here. And it's a bigger issue. And until this is resolved, the bad thing can't be resolved. Exactly. And it's kind of that same thing. And it is interesting that We've gotten to the point, and that's kind of hip-hop in general, um, and especially Black women coin, and we talked about language for a while, kind of point many of phrases that we use today that is popular and that is very useful, and this word specific today is, it is exactly what it is, and it is exactly why we have a breakdown, and misogyny can't be resolved until misogynoir is resolved first. Exactly, exactly. Thank you. Sorry, I realize I throw words around without explaining them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And forget that not everyone has to, though not everyone has this job. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> <the best>. Sorry. <laughs> yes. yes.
0: We have a lot more to cover in this conversation, listeners. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Let's get back into it. So, um, if we if we look specifically at Megan the Stallion, um, why do you think there is such a divide when it comes to believing her or uh, victim blaming her?
2: Well, I mean, you know, number one, as we're this whole conversation is about. Number one, she's a woman, so we're not gonna listen to a woman over a man just because of how the society is built. Number two, she's a black woman. We just talked about massage Noir. And number three, she's extremely attractive, you mm-hmm. know? She's someone that has built her career on how beautiful she is. And that's not to, like I remember when I first started listening to her, I was like, "Wow, like she is so subversive. Like she figured out a way to turn men's desires into her own power and mm-hmm. really like come into her own and step into her own and be somebody who knows exactly what she wants and knows exactly how to you know distribute like her feelings of of strength to her listeners. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, she's very very sexual, she's very um attractive and she uses her body in a way that like a lot of people don't. You know, she's just mm-hmm. very very um innovative in that way and I think that because her body is such a big part of her her act I think people don't take assaults on her body as seriously as they would uh, a Taylor Swift, you know, mm-hmm. who doesn't, like, go out there and twerk and, like, doesn't, like, do things that um, that, that people like Megan or, um, you know, other rappers who may follow in her footsteps do. So, um, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're so used to, like, objectifying her, mm-hmm. and now we're, like, taking that to another level in terms of... Okay, like now, you know, oh, she got shot in the foot. Oh, that's funny. Like she twerks with her feet. Ah uh, ha ha. Let's make a joke about like the fact that she can't twerk anymore and like where's her money going to come from and we're not going to think, you know, it's just like this this like extension and extension like it just goes beyond um, you know, any real point of concern. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like I I had a conversation with some friends recently. And we were just kind of like, if she had been killed, Mm -hmm. like, this would be a completely different story. Like, it'd be Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is tragic. She was so young. She was so talented. But she got shot, like, and it wasn't life-threatening, thank goodness. And now it's like, oh, you know, we, you know, we can wipe our brow on that one and move on, but let's, like, crack some jokes along the way. Um, You know, I think that's a big part of it. And it's, like, it's really frustrating because, say Tory Lane's had been shot by somebody, it would be a different situation. It would mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, he survived. Um, you know, he's, wow, he's a real man now. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, he's, you know, 50 Cent got shot nine times and he, you know, like he right. used that in a song. Like he made a movie about it. You know, it's like, it's mm-hmm. all this stuff. So it's like, why when a man goes through a certain situation, like we say that this is like proven that he's like a G, you know, like mm-hmm. he made it out. He, he made it through. But when a woman gets shot, it's like, let's crack jokes and let's pretend like she's not actually
1: healing right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And as in fact, as I'm watching the comments unfold and the misogyno- misogynoir was ridiculously staggering, mm-hmm. uh, everything from him blaming her because she was masculine. And what I'm still thinking like, who the hell thinks she's masculine? Have you seen her? <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing about her that's masculine. She's got a deep voice. Okay, she raps. How is that making her any more masculine than anyone? The exactly, next person, exactly. You say that's masculine. That's a whole new definition. That's mm-hmm. fine because that that needs to go out the window anyway. Yeah. But like that, she was too masculine to be empathized with. They couldn't empathize with that because obviously she can handle it. Mm-hmm. Or just saying that she was getting. um she knew what she was getting into because of the person that she was with, as if she deserved it because she gave a man a chance that may have a volatile uh, past or may talk a big game about having a volatile past mm-hmm. um, or just plain out saying she's lying. That that Those things just kind of blew my mind. I'm sitting here watching that unfold. I'm going, what, she's not even the one that's saying anything. And until people started accusing her of this BS, mm-hmm. she finally had to be like, hey, stop. This yeah. is not funny. I have to defend myself. Why do you think this is often the reaction for violence against Black women? And especially in the music industry, you kind of already stalked into that. But Mm -hmm. again, why do you think this is just the automatic reaction? Because we saw that happen to Rihanna too. Yeah. uh, Rihanna, until her pictures were leaked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a big
2: part of this is... I mean, and she kind of, like, came out later and, like, showed her feet, like, where she had Mm -hmm. the stitches and everything like that. Like, I think just culturally, we're in a place where if we don't see it, we don't connect to it. Like, we're, especially because of, like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and, like, you know, us seeing so much violence against Black people on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like Breonna Taylor, for example. We didn't see that happen. So we don't have justice for her, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, but with George Floyd, um, we saw that happen. I I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. I can't watch any right, more of those right. videos. But, you know, it's like we saw that happen and he was a man. So it was kind of like, okay, like this is serious. Let's get on the streets. Even though we have this virus going on, let's do whatever we need to do to get this done. Right. And, and so to bring it back to Megan, um, you know, because we didn't see her actually like, you know, get shot. I think that's a big part of why people are like, you know, she's lying, or let's make a joke, or let's do this, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. But also, you know, like, like we were saying after the Chris Brown and Rihanna situation happened, I think a lot of people were still hesitant to believe Rihanna or mm-hmm. or quick to say, Well, what did she do to him? Right. You know, like it's always like, How like how did this situation play out? As if it's any of our business, number one. Right. right. And number two, Um, You know, like just just the simple fact that we're not privy to the conversations that these people have, the relationships that these people have, the way that they interact with each other. There are so many layers Mm -hmm. to this. And yeah, it's like, you know, I I unfortunately I have like friends and family members who have been in abusive situations and um, even like in public and people. Have like not done anything to help them. And it's like, you know, like there was a a specific situation where um, someone that I know was, you know, being hit outside of a club. And then when she started hitting the man, that's when everybody came up and was like, well, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't do that. And it's like, you know, as a black woman, we just expect people to to always defend the black man. And it's I think it's because Black men have been through so much historically, you know, from mm-hmm. him until, um, you know, there, there are so many stories that we don't even know mm-hmm. that um, Black men have been through. So it's like we automatically want to wrap our arms around them and say, hey, we got you. Like, we're never going to let you down. We're never going to, like, put you out on the street. We're never going to do this. So that's a big part of it as well. But, yeah, with Megan, I just, it's just, it's mind boggling. Like you said, right. it's baffling. It's... I I can't make heads or tails of it. And for that reason, like, and um, a few other reasons, but definitely because of, like, because of that situation, I took a step away from social media. I right. was like, I, I don't even know what is going on with people anymore. Like, right. to make a joke about somebody being shot, like, right. literally, like, come on. Right. So, um, yeah, that's
1: a long way of saying she deserves way more than she's getting. Right. And you're right. Maybe part of this is the normalizing of having gun incidents, mm-hmm. which is baffling in itself. Because I'm like, if you think on your own, how many of you had, you know, people who would want to make these criticisms mm-hmm. really have that level of experience? You know, it's just kind of like, why are we taking this as if it's not a big deal? We yeah, got shot, no matter where, no matter what, it yeah, was, whatever. Being shot is a trauma. Yeah. Period. Exactly. So this is a whole weird conversation that we're having that it's like, eh, not a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. But yeah, I just, I think I just, I'm just, it's just watching this unfold. There's so many things, but this is watching this unfold in the middle of what is happening in, in our country in itself. It's just mm-hmm. very evident. Of why movements like say her name is important, why mm-hmm. movements uh, like these conversations that we're having with me too, like why these are important, but it's not being recognized in the areas that we really need the focus on.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And it's like there's like this nucleus of like impenetrable like layers that hip hop exists in, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we can't, we can't like fight our way into it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, right. I think it's, man, like hip hop is just such a huge thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's the most listened to genre in the world and, or at least in the U.S. And um, it's just like an incredible force. It informs Mm -hmm. so much of what we do culturally, not just black culture, pop culture at large. It's such a big part of how we function. Mm -hmm. And I think for that reason, we're afraid to really take it, you know, take it down to size. We're afraid Mm -hmm. to like pare it down and say, here are the the rotten layers and let's get to the core and let's try to figure out like how we can make this better for everybody. Because Mm -hmm. right now it's like men, you know, like men run it, men (laughs) reap the rewards. Um, And that's just talking about the the people that we see visibly. Like Mm -hmm. we're not talking about the white men at the top who are really Mm -hmm. making the money. Right. Um, and you know who knows the conversations that they're having up there you know about artists like an xxx artists like a rich the kid or a famous dexter who um have literally been documented doing heinous things mm-hmm. and nothing happens right. so um yeah you know and it's like <sighs> these artists are you know cash cows for a lot of a lot of these labels right. and a lot of these companies and i think that there might be some orchestrations behind the scenes. I don't know this, you know, like from from experience, but I can only imagine, like that these people want to protect their pockets. So right. you know, they're probably doing as much as they can to make sure that the the
1: wheels keep turning and the gears yeah. keep moving and the money keeps coming in. Right, and in the way you say it, there, it seems to be a hierarchy of who is expendable and who is not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of Megan, uh, her newest hit, WAP with Cardi B. Yes. Had a lot of people talking. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's been an ongoing conversation and uh, kind of controversy about women freely talking about uh, sex and wanting sex. That's something we've talked about on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think this double standard, especially in hip hop, in the hip hop industry, is so overwhelming and ongoing?
2: I think, <laughs> ooh, my thoughts. <laughs> I think men just don't want women to have anything. And that's that's me being like, experience, you know, in terms of the workplace, in terms of, you know, dealing with artists. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, any woman that is going to say, I want this and I want it now, you know, like, any man is going to be like, well, I mean, you should ask me to give that to you, you know, like you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't say that you want it. I want you to ask me for it. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to tell you. So, yeah, I, I think it I think it's absolutely ridiculous that there are so many people up in arms about the song, especially because like a male artist put out a song that was just like. About like wanting sex and nobody better than I, but that's like literally half the music that's out, right? You know, even if it's called like "22 Inch Rims," like half the song is about like wanting sex and getting sex and having thirty thousand women, and you know, feeling like they're the man because they've slept with you know x amount of those women. So it's like, you know, like I don't, (laughs) I wish I had like a a very very straightforward like. This is why men are upset because it's mainly men. And it's some women too. You know, it's some women being like, yeah, like, why are you talking about your vagina? You know, like, and it's like, well, like, why can he talk about his penis and nothing happens? Like, he gets to do what he wants to do. So, um, yeah, it's just very much Befuddle- like we've been using the words baffled, befuddling, like it's confusing. Like I don't understand. It does not compute. Like right. I'm I'm having such an issue. Like, like that's WAP is my sister's favorite song right now. Like she's 32, she's grown. But like, you know, um, like as soon as we saw the video, like we were like watching um the the YouTube live where her right. and Megan were, like, taking shots and, like, getting ready for the video to come out and everything. And then we watched the video and then we watched the video again. Right. And then uh, we listened to the the real version and we were right. like, oh, okay. Like, let's right. do it. <laughs> let's do it. Right. Uh, so we were, like, we were thrilled. We were excited. And, and then, like, the next day, like, we got up and she checked her social media because, like I said, I'm not really on social. And, you know, she was just kind of like, yeah, people are talking about it, but they're not saying what I thought they'd be saying. Right. And, um, you know... As soon as I heard that, like, Megan and Cardi had a song together, I knew it was going to be some freak stuff, you know? Right. I was like, of course, <laughs> like, they are coming together. They're joining forces. Like, they are going to be on some stuff. So <laughs> And they were. Uh, and they were. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And if anything, like, you know, it just reminds me of, like, Lil' Kim, you know, like, when she came out. Yeah. And, you know, like people were taken aback but they they you know they clutched their pearls for a little bit and then they were like okay this is who Kim is like you know she can come out with the hardcore and talk about you know whatever she wants to do and we accept her for that so I'm Mm. hoping moving forward like it's kind of like Kim like kicked the door open and then did what she had to do and then like you know things happened in her career or whatever and the door is kind of like Eaked back closed. Right. And now, like, Cardi and Megan are like kicking that door open again. And I'm hoping, right. I'm really hoping that the door will stay open for women to be able to continue talking about their preferences, their proclivities, their like whatever they want, because men do it with reckless abandon right. and there are no right. consequences. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I loved it. I was like, oh, look, they have all of these women featured. There was one I was confused by, but, you know, yeah, whatever. I think we're um, all confused. <laughs> everybody kind of just sat there and held by like, what? No, what? Okay. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they were celebrating women, celebrating women, what they do. Uh, and I loved all of it. And that that's it's not the first time. Uh, Missy Elliott did it, too. She oh did Oh, my God, it Missy. She yes. went out. Like she would call men out and she would have them on the damn song to call them out. It was yeah. men and she had 50 cents. Oh my god. Yes, yes. <laughs> and even like, oh my
2: God, like Missy is, I'm so glad you mentioned her because she was the definition of subversive. Like yeah. she was so unafraid to and is so unafraid to step up and be like, you know, um, what's the song? Well, i w- I've been listening to Hot Boys a lot, and um, <laughs> it's like, you know, she's just kind of like, "Oh, is that your car? oh, can you can you be my date? can you can you do this? Can we be together? Right. like and she's right. like unafraid to be like like a bird to right. be frank, you know, like she's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm out here and you're out here, so why why can't we be out here together? And right. so I think that's like, you know, of course, she was a little bit more she was direct, but she mm-hmm. wasn't like as forthright, as right. WAP is. She was right. more like, I'm going to play with your... I'm going to play with your mind a little bit. Right. I'm going to, like, use these other terms and, like, right. you know, kind of, like, skate around it in an artful way. Right. Not to say mm-hmm. that, like, WAP isn't artful because I think those verses are great. But, um, yeah, oh, you had know... They point. They wanted to be
1: in your face. Yeah, like, exactly. That was, that was purposeful. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And Missy is purposeful exactly when she wants to be. Right. So, um, you know, it's just, like, some songs you know, she'll kind of skate around it and, you know, be cutesy. And then mm-hmm. some songs she'll come out and be like, look, I don't want right. no Minuteman, you know? And right. it's like, okay. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that song is exactly what you think it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, this is like, it's such a weird thing. Like, why are people surprised, again, that Megan Thee Stallion with Cardi B are going to have this type of lyrics just mm-hmm. because you want it to be a little more... uh Innuendo? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of is already with the title, but you know it's going to come out and it's going to smack you in the face. It's going to be very real yeah. with what they're saying. Yeah. And that's exactly who they are. And that's exactly what... They've, they've never tried to hide that as who they are as artists. Not at so all. So why are people shocked, A? B? Uh, yeah, it is that same level of, why can't they be? What is this shock and all? I'm like, it's 2020. You've heard words <laughs> from our current president and you're really, really, really shocked by a song? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not doing good. I get passionate. <laughs> I'm not doing good with this. Uh, but yeah, like, what what is this shock of what's happening today? And why, especially when it's in a positive format. Like, yeah, exactly. it sounds and like, I in think, your face, but it's consent. Come on. Yeah, it's consent. And it's like, why?
2: I'm not trying to talk down on men. I'm trying so hard not to. <laughs> but like, they can, you know, they can make a song and say that they're like, gonna slip a a drug in someone's drink and they're gonna have a good time. And I'm like, so you can, that song can hit top 10 on Billboard and Nobody Bats an Eye. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, well, WAP went, did it go number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, so thank goodness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I was like, I don't know about this one because, you know, in terms of streaming and everything, but hey, they did it. Um, But yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, I just question our values when we can listen to two powerful women speak about right. what they want consensually as you said and we're taken aback by that and we're disgusted by that like right. that just kind of speaks to like the level of power that we have as women in this country right. you know like that just kind of speaks to the level of respect that we have mm-hmm. and the amount of just grace that we're extended, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're just there. We, we've come very far, obviously, but like we have so much work to do in this country, in this industry, um, you know, in hip hop specifically, there's like a lot to be said and done because we shouldn't be having, you know, I'm glad I'm grateful to be having this conversation, but like we shouldn't be talking about me getting shot. We shouldn't be talking about like people being up in arms about a song about, sex, like what, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm hopeful that, like I said, like the doors will remain open so people can continue having the freedom to speak about what they want and what they need in their lives. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But for now, like we're going to keep talking about this stuff. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's at least let's try to like educate people and like expose people to different perspectives. Right.
0: We do have some more for you listeners. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Um, and I did have one last question, and it, mm-hmm. it, it involves hip hop, but mainly just your personal experiences. Because as I'm researching um, different things in this industry, even journalists, female journalists, trying to talk about hip hop, which can be enjoyed by all people want everyone to enjoy it so they can make that money. Like, Absolutely. It's so obvious. This is exactly what needs to happen. But even one of our um, Atlanta uh, hip hop journalists talked about how she immediately got accused of. Not accused, but being said, oh, oh, your boyfriend or your husband must have gotten you into hip hop. Mm. Oh, oh, the reason you like hip hop or the way because you know it so well is because of some man teaching yeah. you these things. Yeah. And then you look at the limited amount of women that are able to be professionals in this type of industry mm-hmm. is so small. Mm-hmm. Why do you think I mean, the obvious answer is misogyny, yeah. patriarchy overall, <laughs> yeah. like in, in territorial relate, like in conversations. But how do you think people are going to be able to, more women are going to be able to get into this industry to be able to talk about something they love, yeah. like hip hop? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to say my mom introduced
2: me to hip hop. Like, and that's like my, that's one of my proudest things to say. Like, yeah. she, you know, she was listening to, like, crazy stuff, like, like <laughs> horrorcore, you know? And I'm like, yes, like, give me more. Put it in my veins. <laughs> um, so that's why I love, like, so much, like, so many different kinds of rappers because my mom was not afraid to, like, mm-hmm. dig into things and, like, you know, like, expose her children to, like, rap that, was, that wasn't exactly for kids. But, like, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be doing what I do today. So, um... I just want to put that out there. And um, yeah, so I really hope that, like right now there's honestly, it's it's like kind of ebbing and flowing, but there's definitely a cultural reckoning happening where mm-hmm. people are being open about their experiences and being open about their their times with companies. Like, you know, I came out and spoke out mm-hmm. about my experience at Complex and how, you know, as a black woman, I was treated like, crap. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I was really afraid to do that. But I, I, I understood that, like, I want to make that place isn't going anywhere. You know, like, right. we may have given it a black eye, but complex isn't isn't going anywhere. Right. So I want to make that place better for the mm-hmm. next woman that comes behind me. And mm-hmm. I think that's a way that we're going to be able to, like, systemically change the industry. Like, even from a journalistic perspective, is by saying like, hey, I had this experience. I don't want you to have that experience. Even before I signed the NDA, I called every Black woman I knew. And I was like, this is what happened to me. I just want you to be aware, look out, like take care of yourself. And so I think like for so long, it's been a whisper network of like how to stay safe and how to get ahead and how to do X, Y, Z. And now like we're much more public, we're much more open and we're much more, uh, you know, bold, you know, we're not afraid mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, for so long, I think we've been kind of held under a thumb of like, well, you should be lucky to be here. You know, you should be lucky that you have, have the opportunity to have this experience. And the truth, <laughs> the honest truth is they are lucky to have us. Right. Because like, number one, we are delving into topics and addressing things and, just shedding light on so many issues that frankly like men don't think about when it comes to mm-hmm. hip hop like you know when i came up with the dominant woman um idea for complex like nobody else was talking about that like i said you know even in the meetings it was like oh you know Cardi might come up in conversation and Nicki might come up in conversation but nobody was connecting the dots so um you know i really hope that these companies will in these organizations and these um publications we'll see the value that we bring to the table because there are obviously like tons of men in the rap game who can benefit from speaking to to women journalists just because Mm -hmm. like when it comes to like men conversing with men, they're just kind of like, oh bro, you know, let's talk about this, you know, unless they're like super, super professional. But like the the conversations that I've seen, (laughs) I'm just like, so you really just like, had a homie conversation. Okay, you didn't really, like, ask any real questions, all right. Right. Um, But, you know, and then there's, like, just the simple fact that, like, there are women in this game, too. And not every woman wants to talk to a man, especially when it comes to, like, the first conversation I had with Megan for Complex in the the end of 2018. Um, You know, I was asking her, like, why do you think people... You know, and even at that point, we were talking about her lyrics. And I was like, why do you think some people say that your lyrics are too explicit? Like, what would you say to those people? And she was like, you know, I'm not going to rap about what I don't do. I'm not going to rap about popping pills and shooting people. It was just so bizarre that she said that, Um, (laughs) you know, you know, she was like, I'm not going to rap about that because that's not what I do. I'm going to rap about my body and what I like to do with my body. Mm -hmm. And I just don't imagine like a man asking her that question. So, you know, I, at the end of the day, I really just hope that, um, we continue to be open and about our experiences because I think that's the genuine, honest way that Mm -hmm. we're going to see some movement happen. And I really, um, I have a lot of hope. I do. And my hope lies in the people that I support. Um, you know, there are so many great writers. Um, Taylor Crumpton is an amazing writer she um, actually wrote a piece about, you know, Megan's shooting and yes, how, I did. I read yeah, that, yeah. yeah, you know, she's um, an incredible writer. Um, Evie Ani is a great writer. She used to work for OK Player. Now she's a freelancer as well. Shamira Ibrahim is a great writer as well. I, I could list so many people, but, you know, I just, the thing is, we're all freelancers right now, you know, right. and we want homes. You know, we want to be able to, like, settle in somewhere and have the support and the development and, um, you know, the the tutelage. you know, we want those things. And we're doing great right now. But I really hope, like, in the next year or two, we can all find a place to land so we can really like settle in for years as mm-hmm. some of these journalists, like a John Karamanka, you know, he's been at the Times for decades or you know, at least a decade now. And he's doing amazing work there. But, like, I would love to see a black woman in a similar position,
1: yeah, <laughs> I think when we actually see that happen, and and when we see that we can stop having cancel culture which is not even again you said it before no one truly gets canceled that's that's not a thing no nah. <laughs> unless they're insignificant people with menial jobs over you know and they get canceled for something yeah like them. You, you, everybody's fine everybody yeah. is fine uh that it's it's interesting to see like this whole label when it's not just it's not canceling it's just a rectifying of what's happening, mm-hmm. and I know that took a lot of toll on you as an indiv- individual coming out. And, and um, of course, I love to see the support because people were supporting you in that. But the fact that you had to go through all of that nonsense and the mm-hmm. anxiety yeah. and overall like compromise in mm-hmm. yourself—like, what do I do? How do I help the situation? Is is incredibly encouraging, but disheartening to see at the same time. Like, you don't want to see your fellow people do it, get, <laughs> having to do this. BS mm-hmm. to try to correct a situation. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know leaving complex was one of the most
2: difficult things you know that I've had to do, and you know I'm I'm bipolar type one, and that um, comes with depression and mania, and right. I was swinging back and forth through those things when I was going through the the my exit because. I was emotionally all over the place. And extreme stress triggers my episodes. And that was an extremely stressful period. And I ended up having to be hospitalized like right after that. Mm. So, um, you know, it was like, it was was just a really sad situation because I worked really, really hard to get there. Mm -hmm. And even though I had some people warn me along the way, like, I'm not sure if that's the place you want to go. I was like, you know what? I busted my tail. I did what I had to do. I want to be here. And I, I, I thugged it out for like almost two years. And then it just got to a point where, you know, it just hit a, hit a peak where I couldn't handle all the things that were coming at me anymore. And, you know, I, I tried to be as graceful as I could. And, you know, at the time it was really scary, but like the scariest part was like losing my voice Mm-hmm. And um, I'm forever indebted to Tiffany Wines. She's the the um, former complex employee who came out and spoke out and in- invited me to come out with her. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, for so long, I was hemming and and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then eventually I was like, you know what? Nothing is going to change if we don't speak up. And, um, you know, thankfully, there have been people in other uh, publications who have had similar experiences come out and say their own stories and, I feel like that's really the only way that we're going to move forward and the only way that we're going to like expand as an industry is, mm-hmm. you know, as if, we, if, we're, if we're open and honest with ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate that it takes that toll though, that you have to be that vulnerable in order to get justif- justice in any sort of way. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I want to thank you for that. I know for so many people who are in, this, in your industry, That takes a lot of courage to even try because it's not for you. This doesn't benefit you in any least way. No. There's nothing about this that's like, oh yeah, this is really fun for me. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. It was, you know,
2: (laughs) I still can't believe I did it, honestly. Like, I'm just like, Keanu, what? Like, But, you know, (laughs) I I had to do it, you know? Like, I I had to. Like, I would have regretted it for the rest of my life if I hadn't come out and spoken out because there are just so many people who feel like they don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like journalism is about giving voice to the voiceless. Right. And even if I'm not doing that through my medium, which is like exactly what I do, what I do for, um, I still am so focused on like, how can I benefit the black woman coming behind me? How can I benefit the black woman above me? How can we all, you know, mutually, assist each other. Like that's such a big part of what I do. And I try to, even in my writing, like I try to speak to people who like need that extra, you know, arm or that extra hand or whatever. Like I'd be lying if I said that, like, you know, I don't want to interview like the biggest stars and, you know, the biggest rappers or whatever. Like, of course I want to do that. But at this point, like, I love talking to like the chicas and I love talking to, you know, the people who are like have so much potential, but like people aren't quite on board with them yet for whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I really, that's where, that's like my bread and butter. That's Mm -hmm. how I live and breathe. So, yeah, that kind of like is, you know, in tandem with how I treat my professional career. You Mm -hmm. know, I try to always work with people who I can assist, who can assist me. How can we? all kind of work together and like build, you know, because at the right. end of the day, like, this is what we love to do. And right. we're very, very blessed to be able to do what we love. Right. And I want to try to keep this going for as long as I possibly can.
1: Right. And um, kind of when we were talking about your Patreon, it's, it's so open and vulnerable. Uh, and, is, and I think you do a phenomenal job in conveying mm-hmm. all things. Mm-hmm. that you you see and struggle with. And I, and I appreciate that. And um, kind of just to put it out there, what is your Patreon so people can go and sign up and then uh, subscribe oh, to
2: it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my Patreon and most of my socials um, have the same core um, you know, name. It's Kiana Fitz. So patreon.com slash K-I-A-N-A-F-I-T-Z, Kiana Fitz. And um, that's my Twitter as well. My Instagram is Outbox, but you don't need. You know that's it's. If you want to go, you know it's outfox with two X's. But my Patreon is where I really, like you said, I try to be vulnerable. I try to pour in as much as, of myself as I can into that place because I, I, you know, I am a freelancer and work comes when it comes. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't always hit me when I need it. So mm-hmm. to be able to like be supported by people who can see the value in my work and see the value in my words. Um, on, a, on a regular basis is really beautiful. So if you want to support me there, I write about hip hop. I write about my bipolar disorder. I write about um, hip hop and bipolar, you know, talking about Kanye West. Um, I do a lot of delving into what makes me who I am. So yeah, if you want to check it out, patreon.com slash Fitz. Awesome. Yeah, totally.
0: Go check that out. Is there anything else you want to shout out or uh, highlight before we wrap up here?
2: Oh, man. Um, listen to women rappers. I am so yes. excited. Uh, like I said, we have Mulatto. We have Lightskin Keisha. We have Flo Millie. We have Chica. We have Megan. We have the City Girls. We have Doja Cat. Like, you know, I like I said earlier, I'm a DJ as well. And my sister is like, DJing too, And I was like, you need to make an all-women mix. Like, you need to do this. So, like, that's going to come out soon, so look out for that. Yes. But, uh, but, yeah, you know, I'm just, like, thrilled that I can listen to a playlist for an hour and I don't have to hear a man's voice at all. <laughs> you know, like, I, of yeah. course, I, I have my favorite rappers, and they'll always be my favorite rappers, the, the men, but it's just a special feeling when you okay. can listen to empowered, beautiful, strong women talk about their lives and talk about their experiences and be witty and be, you know, smart and just so much fun. It's just a blast. So yeah, listen to your, even listen to your local women rappers, I would say. Mm
0: -hmm. And that brings us to the end of this interview. It was so good. Do you feel?
1: Satisfied, Samantha. I am. I feel like it's been a long time coming, and I'm really excited to have more conversations uh, like this. And with her, hopefully, coming having her back on the show. And you definitely should check out her Patreon because it, she is so open. And for, especially for those who struggle uh, with bipolar and and the issues that are happening today, and and what it looks like, especially when you're in an industry like she was talking about, mm-hmm. that you have to be willing to be open and then yeah. dig deep into the darkness. To get yep. to some of the points. So, yeah, uh, go
0: check her out for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, and thanks again to her for joining us. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can. We have an email, and it is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stefan I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.